0: All of the book of Acts is the story of what happened after Pentecost was poured out. And uh, these missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul and his companions, they were the result of God's Spirit being poured out on the day of Pentecost and them obeying the command of the Lord to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And um, revival will always produce that kind of a response. When there's a revival, it's always going to cause people to want to obey the voice of the Lord and to, uh, to do what God is calling us to do, amen. All around us, there's such a lost, lost world. In our community, I know there's lots of Christians, lots of churches, let me tell you, there are a lot of people in this community that are so far away from God and we are called to them. Some of them will never visit an Asbury Revival. They'll never go to another location, but they're within our reach. They're within our reach. That's why it's so important that we experience the fire and the power of the Spirit. Chapter 18, the book of Acts is the conclusion, actually the closing uh, days of uh, Paul's uh, second missionary journey. After these things, Paul departed from Athens, came to Corinth, found a certain Jew named Aquila born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, and came unto them, and because he was of the same craft, he abode with them, and wrought for by their occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they had, when they had opposed when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, He shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean from henceforth. I will go unto the Gentiles. Now we just back up just a little bit to Paul's experience in Athens. Uh, He's in Greece and so he's in Athens. You remember the account that uh, the city was filled with idols. The Bible says he was stirred in his spirit stirred in his heart when he saw that the entire city was filled with uh, idols. And uh, he had to do something about it. He's there all by himself, uh, but he goes to the synagogue and he preaches. He goes to Mars Hill, and there he reasons with them. Some commentators say that he failed in Athens because there's no record that there was actually a church established there uh, in Athens, everywhere else he went, Thessalonica, Philippi, Berea, and now today we're talking about Corinth. Everywhere else he went, uh, he, uh, there, there, was, there was a church established. But the Bible says that in Athens, that, uh, that when he preached the resurrection, they mocked him. They made fun of him when he preached to them that Jesus was resurrected from the dead Athens was like a center of education, kind of like a college campus. And they mocked him and made fun of him. And uh, as a result, the Bible says, but there were some, howbeit certain men, clave to him, even though they were mocking him when he preached the resurrection. And others said, well, we'll hear about this later. There were a few that clave to him. And believed, uh, which was Dionysius Dion and uh, the Aerobagite, and a woman named Damaris and others with them. Just a small little response to the ministry at Athens. And I just wanted to take a moment just to encourage you and um, what you are doing for the Lord. It may feel like that's, that what you're doing for God is really small. And some of you may be thinking... I don't really do nothing, I'm not really important, I don't really have a part to play, I'm not really accomplishing that much. But I I just want to encourage you to know today that God uses every small effort you you put forth. God uses every prayer that's prayed, every effort that you put forth, every act of service for the kingdom of God. He notices it. It makes a difference. Every, every gift that you give, every sacrifice that you make, God is aware of every small thing, and it's important. Amen. Even though there were just a few that responded, we would think everywhere that Paul went that he had great numbers of people who responded to him. But in Athens, it was just little. It was just a little accomplishment, just a few people that responded. And I, I don't you I don't want you to be discouraged with little fruit or with a small accomplishment because God can take the smallest effort, the smallest investment, the smallest prayer, everything that we do, God can use it for the glory Amen. of God. Amen. God can do some wonderful and mighty things. The Bible says that uh, that uh, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one yes. sinner that is saved. Amen. All of heaven agrees that it is uh, an important thing when just one soul is saved, when one thing is accomplished for the glory of God. So be encouraged today because God can use you. Don't despise The day of small things. Amen. God can do something through your life, through your testimony, through your witness, through what you're doing for the kingdom of God. So be encouraged uh, today. God can use the smallest thing. He used uh, the little lad's lunch. You see, when you take the small thing and put it into the hands of the master, then he can bless it. And he can break it. And he can multiply it. And he can use it in ways <clears throat> that you could never imagine. Amen. Well, I us thought I need to insert that just a little bit here this morning. For some of you who feel like, ah, I'm pretty worthless. I don't really do that much. My part that I play, all I do is just show up and pray and, and uh, worship. No, you're important. Every one of you are important to the work of God and to the kingdom of God. And all that we do is important. God can even use the smallest Effort, Amen, for the kingdom of God. Praise God. Back in the mid 1800s, they were wanting to uh, expand the Niagara Gorge, Niagara River Gorge, uh, with a bridge. It Was massive the expanse. They had no way to get across, and all these engineers and different ones were trying to figure out how can we accomplish this. Till they saw a little boy uh, flying a kite. And uh, he flew the kite, and it went over the gorge to the other side, and that little small strand of string then was caught. And then they brought back a little bigger cord, and then a larger cord, and then a rope, and then a cable, and today, trains can go across that. But it started with just a little boy's effort, just a little string, just... Just the smallest of things that God can use to accomplish some wonderful and mighty things. Amen. So be encouraged today that God can ignite the fires of revival with just a little flicker in your heart. Just a little flame in your heart. God can do something mighty and wonderful through that. Praise the name of the Lord. So then Paul moves on from Athens. Athens. He's by himself and he travels to Corinth. Corinth is a city of some 700,000 people. Interesting enough, though, only about 200,000 of those people are freemen. The rest of them, something like 500,000 people, are slaves there in the city of Corinth. It's a massive population. Center and a trade center. Athens is known for its education and its philosophy, but Corinth is known for its trade and uh, for its uh, accomplishments as far as the economy and business uh, is is concerned. Uh, they invented bronze in Corinth. Architecture, even today, the Corinthian style uh, is still well known and still uh, a part of uh, architecture. In our day right now. But the most significant thing in the city of Corinth was the temples to the goddess of, the, of Aphrodite. There had thousands of temple prostitutes. People came from all over the world to, to uh, partake in that perverted uh, wickedness that was going on in Corinth. Now, what did Paul think about the situation there? But the Bible says he stayed there for a year and a half. He stayed there and invested in those vile, wicked people and uh, uh, preached the gospel to them weekly, week after week after week. And a strong and a mighty church was established in the center of that wickedness and that vileness. Be encouraged again this morning by the fact that God can not only begin a revival, but he can do it in the darkest time in the, in the history of our country. In a time when there's so much perversion and darkness and wickedness and so much that's happening, God can move in such a way as to start a revival in the midst of, of so much hopelessness and darkness. Praise God for that. I'm believing that he is doing just that. Amen. It was kind of like the Las Vegas of that time. It was such a vile and a wicked city. Later on, the Apostle Paul wrote back to the Christians that were there. And this is what he said, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor rivalers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. But here's the interesting statement that he makes next. And such were some of you. You got saved out of all that mess. You got delivered out of all that. Now you're the leaders in the church. Now you're the ones that are carrying on the work of the kingdom of God in that vile, wicked place. Such were some of you. What is the church to be made up of? Is it to be made up of all the good people that gather together? No, the church is to be a place where the vile and the wicked and the adulterer and all the people that are living such wicked lives so far away from God, the church is to be a place. Where they are brought into the kingdom of God. And Paul believed it enough that he spent a year and a half of his ministry in Corinth. Preaching the gospel to them. And and that church was made up of a bunch of people who were vile. uh, Perverted. uh, And uh, living all these terrible lifestyles. Involving in all these horrible things. But he thought enough about the need there that he invested in that place. Amen. If we're not careful as the church, we look at the world and we shake our head and we think about, oh, isn't it terrible the way people are living? Isn't it awful, the sins that they're involved in? I don't know about you, but I don't really particularly like the fact that our sheriff's department posts the pictures of people that have been arrested online. That bothers me because I see those people and in the mess that they're in in the heartbreak that man is somebody's son. That man is somebody's wife. That, do- that lady is somebody's family member. And uh, it's just kind of disturbing to me. So you can tell Sheriff Root what I said if you want to. I don't, I, don't really, I don't really appreciate the fact that they do that. But let me just uh, encourage you today to understand that there are a lot of people just like that all around us. They're in addiction. They're in uh, alcoholism. They're living vile and wicked lives, just like they were in Corinth. But Paul invested in them. Paul preached to them. Paul established a church in the middle of all of that perverseness and that hopelessness. And that's what we're called to do. That's what the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what we're to look like. We're to look like a church filled up with people who have had lives that were hopeless and despairing, but they have been washed. That's what he said. Such were some of you, but you're washed. You're sanctified. You're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of God. Praise God. That tells me that there is no one beyond reaching. Amen. Some of those people that uh, they post that were just arrested, I mean, they look like... They have been beat up. Some of them have been. They look so hopeless and so despairing. But uh, that's you and me. But for the grace of God, that's me. If it was not for the fact that I heard the gospel as a young person. And we have a responsibility. A part of revival is that we get ignited with the flames and the fire of God. And then we start having an effect upon our community. And I, I don't mean just those that are nice, normal people, as we call them. I'm talking about people that are desperate and are in darkness and are in hopelessness and are addicted and they have nowhere to turn. And they need the answer that can come through the power of the gospel. The church exists to bring about that kind of a conversion. You know that in Canada... It is against the law. You could spend five years in prison for trying to turn someone from homosexuality, turn them out of their homosexual sins. You can spend five years in prison for trying to convert somebody from that kind of a perverted lifestyle. I don't know that it's here in our country yet, but it's coming our direction unless the fires of revival can push that philosophy back. Uh, But that's really what, I mean... Conversion is what we're all about. That's what the church is all about. That's what the gospel is all about. That God can take the worst and the most vile sinner and turn their life around and make them righteous and holy and turn them from a sinner to a saint. And that's what Paul is doing in Corinth. He's investing in these that are hopeless. Amen. That's why the church exists we're not just here just to encourage one another, although we do receive encouragement from each other, but we exist, the church exists to be a light to a lost and a hopeless world that is around us. Amen. That is why we exist, to bring about that kind of a conversion. And Paul proved uh, his, his compassion for people in that kind of a condition by staying there, by investing in Corinth, by investing in building the church there. And he later wrote to them and said, this is all the kind of vile lifestyles that I encountered while I was there. And such were some of you. And some of you here today, if it hadn't been for the grace of God, God pulled you out of a mess of sin. He pulled you out of hopelessness. He saved you from despair, from death. He saved you from uh, from all of the the things that sin can do to bring about destruction in your life. Oh, thank God for the ministry of the church and the ministry of the gospel. And this this is what revival accomplishes. I respect what the leadership at Asbury are saying today. I respect it. They said this revival needs to spread from here it doesn't need to only be here and they are, they are determining to encourage people to go out from that location and to spread the fires of revival everywhere that they go. I respect that. I believe that they're following a biblical uh, pattern and I thank God uh, for what they are doing. Amen. i sure we live in a world right now where, uh, the, 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 the unholy and the wicked and All of these things there, they are celebrated. And righteousness and holiness is made fun of and ridiculed. But we are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are called to make an, an impact in the community, in the city, in the region that we're living in right here. Amen. Notice that when Paul gets to Corinth, in the midst of all this wickedness, that he runs into a couple by the name of Aquila and Priscilla. They were believers that had just been recently expelled from Rome because Claudius got tired of the influence of the Christians in Rome, so he started expelling them, making them leave. So they wind up in Corinth, and God is using them then to partner with the Apostle Paul in the work of the ministry And he mentions them in several of his writings. And in Timothy, just before uh, Paul's life is taken, he even commends them for partnering uh, with him and coming to him and and blessing him and helping him uh, in ministry. And uh, I I think there's another lesson to learn here, and that is that uh, we accomplish so much more when we are united together and when we are working together. Amen. Amen. Uh, The different ones that I know of that have visited the revival at Asbury, they have been talking about unity and how there's such a spirit of oneness and unity and how that people of all different backgrounds are all coming together in a spirit of, of unity. Do you understand that you can't make it on your own and you certainly can't accomplish what God wants to accomplish in these days on your own? God provided him with help with support uh, with companions in 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 the ministry don't try it on your own you can't be a lone ranger and really accomplish what God wants us to accomplish we need to unite together we need to work together we need to bind together and to accomplish so much more than we could ever accomplish on our own don't try it on your own Ecclesiastes 4 and 9, two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor. Mutual effort accomplishes much. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. You don't need to go on your own because you need support. You need encouragement and support. If two lie together, then they have heat. How can one be warm alone? You need the support and the help and the encouragement of your brothers and sisters in the Lord. And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. You're strong, but you're not strong on your own. We're strong when we are united together. Yeah. Amen. That's why when we pray, we pray together. We we bind together. Uh, I encourage people from time to time... Get you a prayer partner. Share your burden with somebody else to pray with you or several somebodies that can help you because you need support in prayer. You need people who can help you in your need. Amen. There's no way that the work of the ministry here at this location can get done until we bind together, unite together, work together, and believe that God... Is going to to work and to minister. Amen. God provided Paul with companions in ministry at Corinth, <clears throat> and those those companions helped him to see a church established there in Corinth, a mighty and a power powerful Holy Ghost filled church in Corinth that had an influ uh, an influence upon that wicked city. You can't go it on your own. Amen. We need to bind together in prayer and in support and in work. Amen. We're believing that the Lord has some great things in store for us here at this local church. There's some wonderful things that he's doing and he's, he's stirring up the hearts of a lot of people. And I believe that God wants to work in us as we unite together, as we bind together and experience the outpouring of the Spirit of God. Amen. I know there are a lot of churches that are wonderful and good churches, but we have a responsibility before God. Right. You and I, we have a responsibility before God to do what he has called us to do. He hasn't put us here on South Main Street just as a coincidence. We're here to make an impact. We're here to be an influence in our community and to stand for what's right, to stand for the word of the Lord without compromise and lift up the name of Jesus to a world that is in such desperate need. Would you join with me in praying this morning that God would ignite the fires of revival and that everyone from the youngest to the oldest would experience a mighty outpouring of the Spirit of God. Let's stand together this morning. Oh, we thank you, Lord. God, for the fact that you are setting on fire your people, your church. And Lord, the ministry of the Holy Ghost in our lives. Lord, Lord, without you we are powerless. Without you, Lord, we can't do anything. But Lord, by your Spirit and by the anointing of your Spirit, Lord, much can be accomplished for the glory of God. Oh, and we thank you for it. Praise the Lord.